0: Live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio.
1: Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this episode. At- Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Kara Slay, and today I am joined with my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co hosts, Justin Brown, Taylor Quinn, and Presley Davis. We've got a super exciting episode planned today where we'll talk about Texas State sports along with an interview with Reed Ryan, whose father is Nolan Ryan, former Astros
2: president. But before we jump in, let's throw it to Presley for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats. Drinks. Scenic views.
1: All right. To start it off, we're going to talk about Texas football, currently five to two in conference play, Mm -hmm. and they won by one point this past weekend. How are we feeling about that game?
3: I mean, that was that was a great, great comeback by the Bobcats. I have to give it to them. They never gave up, trailing by 11 points in the fourth quarter, coming back and scoring two touchdowns. And I think the defense was awesome this game. You know, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the defense, but they really stepped up today. The ULM quarterback's great on the run, and I think they were able to get a lot of good stops, especially I think the first four out of seven times that ULM had the ball, they had to punt. So overall, the defense was just lethal and helped the Bobcats get the win.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it pretty pretty well, Taylor. I mean, g- just watching this game, I was kind of stressing the fact that ULM even was winning because they are not really having the best season of their own. But I mean, the Bobcats just showed great and determination to finally get on the board and finally get some momentum going. And it, pre- it truly showed in to think that, you know, it was blackout now. It was family weekend. Everybody was having fun at, tailgate, at the tailgate and then obviously coming in for the game. So there was a lot of anticipation for that game specifically, but you know the bobcats survive and now they're uh, they're moving on i mean
4: 26000 fans in attendance with their flashlights on i mean it was something beautiful to see and, and, and it's for a real good reason, because this Bobcat team, it's the first time that... I mean, they've won their first three games at home. They're undefeated at home right now, which is great. Mm-hmm. And they're at one of their best starts. I mean, they haven't done this since 2014 with how they've been at home. Yep. And, and it's just a really great team. The way that G- TJ Finley right now is even ranked higher than Shadur Sanders, if you know him from the Colorado Clemson... I mean, the Colorado Buffaloes. So, I mean this team is very high powered and and even more facts about this squad is like you see Joey Hobart he was huge in this game I think 110 yards he's stepping up Ishmael Mahdi he was leading the offense for the last five I mean last few games you may have seen but he's battling a hand injury um so you know really good performance from Joey Hobart stepping up and De denaro Davenport as well he did great as well rushing the ball
2: yeah and you look at the fourth quarter I mean as a Bobcat fan you would see that you were kind of defeated sorry, Mm -hmm. because Finley threw that pick six and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we only have less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's still a lot of football. but, And then the Bobcats go and get two touchdowns and win by one. And so especially, I mean, if you're going to do it on a weekend, a family weekend would be a pretty good one. And so it's just good to see how determined those Bobcats are and how G.J. Kinney, I don't know if y'all saw, he's on the watch list for – Uh, coach of the year and I mean that's a big thing for the program very big thing and so kudos to the team and coach Kenny and you know they have one more game till they're both eligible and it'd be really exciting to see
1: yeah, and their next game is October 28th against Troy, and it's actually the homecoming game at Texas State. What are our predictions for that game?
0: I mean, it's, this is going to be tough sledding because, you know, if you guys keep been keeping up with Sunbelt football, they Troy Trojans are the defending Sunbelt Conference champions. They're currently having a pretty good year. They're currently 5-2 and two in the year. Their only two big losses to me were against number 15th ranked Kansas State and the JMU Duke. So... Not surprised. But like I said before, anything can happen. And then obviously they got a big win against Georgia State. They finally defeated the big dogs in the Sun Belt who are currently on an undefeated streak currently. But now they've suffered one game, uh, one game loss. So this is going to be a tough battle. I mean, Troy has always been well known in the Sun Belt Conference. And, you know, you're going against the defending champs. So obviously you're going to have to bring your A game a lot this coming uh in the next couple weeks and you know the a game will be brought by gj kenny because right <laughs> now this is
4: he's having a historic year gj kenny Kimme- G.J. Kenney has become the first Texas State head coach to win five of his first seven games since John O'Hara in 1983. This guy, a, a clear candidate for coach of the year, the way that he's turned around this program, Texas State football, not known to be a program that could upset teams. Now someone to watch. Troy Trojans have to be worrisome. This is a rivalry, but a rivalry they haven't seen, a team they haven't seen, and that's the Texas State Bobcats this year. I mean... I, I got goosebumps right now just talking <laughs> about it. They're one game away, one win away from bowl eligibility. Humongous game for them coming up.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you look at the <laughs> Troy game coming up, and I mean, you're one game away. So you can only imagine that pressure those guys are feeling. Like, if we can just pull this one out, like, we're bowl eligible. And you, I don't know if y'all have seen, like, predictions and stuff. But, I mean, we're there putting the Texas state Bobcats up against some pretty good teams. And so if we were to get a bowl, like, I mean, that'd be pretty good for the program. And so then you just kind of have to hope that those Bobcats go out with the determination and don't let the pressure get to them. Don't let the lights get to them, you know, and just go out there and play football and just keep doing what they're doing.
3: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this matchup against Troy. I think um, it'll be a good battle. Troy is on a four game win streak right now. Their defense has also been really well. So, you know, I have to shout out Coach Kinney. He's gone in the fans and this team so excited for this season. And I think Troy will be seeing a new Texas State football team from previous years.
1: Yeah. And you can listen to that game here on KTSW Um, again, October 28th against Troy. Um, but moving on to Texas State Volleyball, they won on the road against Southern the Southern Miss Series, and their next match is against South Alabama this Friday and Saturday. It's actually um, Dig Pink, so they're raising awareness for breast cancer, but um, what whatever- if What are our predictions for these games? Alabama is currently undefeated in conference play and 17 to three overall. So they're doing really, really well. What do y'all think about this?
0: I mean, the more I and the more I keep seeing this team, the more, you know, the more pressure I think it has on them, because, you know, obviously South Alabama is having a phenomenal year, having going 17 and three on the season so far. And I want to kind of make this a little note. Uh, for uh, for the Sunbelt Conference that Nikki Kabizi for South Alabama is leading or second all, second in the Sunbelt in hitting this season's uh, hitting percentage this season so I mean it's going to be tough tough sledding especially for uh, for them after getting a sweep against Southern Miss in Hattiesburg Mississippi so obviously that's a good bounce back win for them but now you're going against one of the toughest Sunbelt Conference teams in volleyball this uh, this year and I mean, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. It's not going to be easy.
4: It's going to be a dogfight, and a dogfight a lot of people are going to watch because maybe y'all do not know or not, but President Kelly Danfoss is going to be giving away pizza at fun. the game to all the Danfuss. students in the student section. That's Gumby's Pizza. Um, so it's going to be a packed house, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. The South Alabama, a team that— really hasn't been one of the powerhouses of Sunbelt Conference Volleyball. They're stepping up huge this season. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm not as nervous as many would be because you look at that last series, KJ Johnson, first game against Southern Miss, she gets 16 kills. Don't worry, the second game, Samantha Wunsch will help you out. Samantha Wunsch, we've talked about her before. You you know, you don't know Samantha Wunsch, honey, she'll take your lunch money. That's my thing. I said, you know, that's just my words. You know, it's just, that's That's copyright. I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, I mean, this team is really expensive exciting and i think coach sean hewitt he's learned how to deal with adversity deal with squads that are very good even nationally ranked squads you know especially bigger schools big 12 schools mm-hmm. so no fear for sean hewitt in this squad they're just going to play their best volleyball and see how they do it
1: yeah it's it's the question is is will texas state volleyball be able to break South, southern alabama's um win streak and also like to mention Bailey Hanner was named as a Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the yep. Week. So that's like amazing opportunity because they've had so many players who have gotten Player of the Week from the Sunbelt Conference. Um, but is there a Anything to add?
4: Yeah, I mean, and I'd love that you point that out because we the Tech State Bobcats have Bailey Hanner, defensive player of the week for Sunbelt. And then you also, Kobe mentions that South Alabama has one of the best offensive players in the Sunbelt leading in kills. So it, it sounds like, to me, you're going to see the best defensive player with the best offensive player. I agree. And to me, that sounds popcorn-worthy or even pizza-worthy. Pizza <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. uh, just uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch. And uh, when will that be, Karis?
1: Uh, the game that we are calling will be on Saturday, October 21st at 12 p.m. Um, Friday is where they're looking for the attendance break. Um, oh, wow. And it's alumni weekend. It's There's a lot going on, and they are really excited to play this weekend. But... Right now we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will discuss our Tuesday tally and later be on the phone with Reed Ryan. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday's episode of Bobcat Radio. We are going to zoom out of San Marcos area and take a look at our Tuesday tally. So the question was, will the Astros score a win on Wednesday or will which is tonight, Um, or will the Rangers make it one step closer um, to a four-game win? And we got 12 votes for Astros. And fourteen votes for the Rangers. Oh wow! Wow! I know we have a mixed group <laughs> of Astros and Rangers fan in the studio today, so uh, I no, want to hear really. from y'all.
0: There's not really. Let's re- say it's, it's I think I'm lopsided. the only one. <laughs> it's kind of lopsided in here, but for the sake of you being a Rangers fan, Presley, we'll allow you. We'll allow you go first.
2: Oh, thanks. Okay, <laughs> um, you know I'm really ex- the past two games were really exciting and kind of a nail biter. Yeah. For both sides, you know, it, there was a point in game two where it honestly was anybody's game, and it was kind of like, okay, this is... But also, that's what you want in the ALCS. You want that competition. You want those competitive teams. And for the Astros, I mean, you just... They have to score early. At the end of the day, like, they that's really their only option at this point if they want to try and take game three, and that way, maybe you can go back home and, you know, play some more. But the Rangers, the thing with the Rangers is one through nine Mm
5: -hmm.
2: are dangerous. Like there was a point in the season where seven through nine was having a better batting average than one through three. And it's just like the whole lineup is just so dangerous. So if you can just stop them early and just kind of deflate them, then the Astros have a shot, which I. The Rangers part of me is like, what are you saying? Like, (laughs) why are you telling me? Like, you know, but that's just kind of how it is. And so. I'm personally nervous for the pitching matchup. Max Scherzer's making his return. I think he's going to be fine. But me, I'm just like coming off an injury. Their first game back is always really nerve wracking. You really never know what to expect.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: So I'm just kind of nervous for him. But I mean, I think, I think the Astros, I think the Astros have to take this one. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: so you're saying they're going to win game three.
2: I don't think they have a choice. As a a
0: Rangers fan, you're saying they're going to win game three. As a sports, fan, sports in general. <laughs> fan in general, not
2: taking a side, I say Astros take game three. As a Rangers fan, I'm like, I would love for the Rangers
0: to take game three. But,
2: you know, they just have to. I think this is their last shot. They have to take game three.
0: I mean, I'm just I'm still I'm so surprised that you were saying this considering you're a Rangers fan. But <laughs> I mean, you know, as a sports fan, I get it. I totally get it. But. Just c- speaking as an Astros fan, I mean, game one and game two were were nail biters. And I, I swear, I hate nail biters because it, it it puts a lot of stress on me, especially in the in the mindset of because I was at Pluckers for game. I was at Pluckers for game one because it was uh, game one was on my birthday and uh, I was uh, sorry oh, about that. That's OK. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't worry. Hey, it, I mean, I still had a great time. No, worries. but that's on my love subject. But. The Rangers absolutely look phenomenal in this postseason so far. So, do, so does Houston. But the one that I want to note about this is that Houston has a, a better road record in the regular mm-hmm. season than their home record. They finished their home record with 40 and 44. But
2: the Rangers also have a good home record. That's,
0: that's, that's, that's where, where it's it fun. That's where, it, that's where the lies is right yeah. now. So I think I agree with you. I think the Astros need to at least take two in in, uh, in Arlington and try to possibly send it back to Houston. Otherwise, I don't – honestly, this is pretty lopsided. It's, honestly, it's going to be pretty lopsided.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Presley says, that it, it's a must-win game for the Astros. You could be a fan of any team in the world. It's a must-win game for the Astros. You never want to be down 3-0. doesn't matter if it's basketball or baseball. Um, it's, it's a bad pit to be in. Now, I currently think if these two teams at face value – I think they both have all the skill and all the talent to to be one another and I think it's a 50-50 game. I think this is one of the the, one of the most close ALCS as I could see, and it, the Astros, yeah, they're down, but we've seen Astros come back. We've seen them do this. Um, we know they have the skill. What needs to change? You look at that last game, Jose Altuve at all five is out b- at-bats, did he hit anything? No. No. And that is something strange. It's something we cannot have. Now, you could give that to the pitching of the Rangers, you know, you got some great pieces over there, but if the Astros want to do it, they cannot rely on Jordan Alvarez to do everything. Jordan Alvarez, you know, gets two homers in this last game, and three at-bats and you know with
2: it, a stomach bug
4: with yeah. a stomach <laughs> bug it's crazy modern day mj modern day flu game mlb flu game Jordan alvarez uh love this guy by the way um just just he's a fangirl for him
0: but he's, <laughs> he's special man
4: he is special and uh it's just going to be really interesting to see now kobe a question i have for you is cool. the 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 pitching matchup between these two teams for next game
0: what are your thoughts uh, i mean it's oh man i mean We're talking about Christian Javier and Max Scherzer. For those of you who don't remember last year's World Series, Christian Javier started possibly one of the greatest pitching performances you'll ever see in the World Series and started the no hit that started the no hitter against the Phillies this past World Series. So honestly, I'm not worried. The only problem I'm worried about is Scherzer because Scherzer in the postseason has been pretty good. And the last yeah, time. Max. Yeah. And, the, and I hate to say this because he pitched very well against my Astros in the 2019 World Series. So, yeah, that was I'm still not forgetting about that. But he I think he's going to be a lot. Of, I think he's going to give Houston a lot of problems. But that's going to be now up to their bullpen. Because if Scherzer goes strong and goes full on and set at least seven or eight innings, I don't know. I honestly don't know where where Houston lies.
2: Yeah. And kind of going back to the Rangers pitching Scherzer has a lot of pressure because Game one, Jordan Montgomery, absolute outstanding performance. Nathan Evaldi had a bases like bases loaded and no outs, and somehow managed to get out scotch free. And it was like, as a Rangers fan, I was like, okay, Astros are going to score one or two here; it'll be okay. We'll take care of it. And the next thing you know, he's walking off the mound, and it was like, how did you get out of that? You know. So this Rangers pitching staff in the postseason look completely opposite of their regular season so it'll be fun to see what Scherzer has to do
1: yeah I will say that Astros have good game when it comes to clutch clutch games they can pull through but speaking of baseball we now have Reed Ryan on the phone with us Reed can you hear us
5: yeah how you guys doing today we're doing good how are you I'm doing well excited about this uh, game three of the ALCS
1: Yes, absolutely. So to start us off with this interview, how does the success in minor league lead to the success of major
5: league teams? Well, look, obviously, uh, you know, the players that are at the minor league clubs, whether it's double A in San Antonio or triple A in Round Rock. Uh, those players are a big part of the parent club's overall plan and over the course of any season especially uh, at the triple-a level um, teams are utilizing their 40-man rosters like you know never before and all throughout the year you know the players that play for us in round rock are going up the texas rangers and are contributing so you know you just look at the roster and Guys like Leody Tavares or, you know, Evan Carter, uh, Josh Young, um, you know, uh, we're all part of our club the last couple of years along with a lot of other guys, you know. So it's fun to see them up there, and we're a big part of the success they have at the major league level.
4: Hi there, Reed Ryan. Appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And yes, you speak about the minor league success and how it transfers into the majors. Now, I know that you have affiliations of both these teams, the Rangers and the Astros, obviously. Now you talk about this ALCS and this game three is a big one. What are your thoughts about this ALCS and what are you looking to see in this third game?
5: Well, yeah, obviously we have ties with both clubs. I was president of the Astros eight years, won a World Series with them first ever in 2017, went to another one in 2019. And, you know, I have owned or operated, you know, either an Astros or Rangers club at some level, uh, for the last 25 years. So I know them both very, very well. Um, 23 of the players are actually former express guys. Um, on both clubs you know we had Jordan Alvarez play for us uh, and you know Christian Javier and a lot of the guys that are you know that are playing right now so um, you know my feelings on the the series are I root for the guys that played for us all of them Um, you know am I surprised by what's happened so far I'm not because over the course of the year uh, the Rangers had really good starting pitching unfortunately they didn't have all of that healthy when they played the Astros earlier in the year. And the Astros also weren't healthier. Uh, healthy. You know, they didn't have Brantley and some other guys over the course of the year. And so the Rangers have got out to early leads, which has been very key to their success. They've had great starting pitching, going six, seven innings, uh, both with Montgomery and Evaldi. Uh, Evaldi. Um, The Astros are what they are. They're, you know, one of the most dynamic clubs in in the history of baseball. You saw it with Jordan Alvarez. They can beat you a lot of ways, and they were storming back. Uh, Their bullpen is better than than the Rangers has been over the course of the year. And, you know, even though the Rangers, the Astros got down, uh, the Astros' bullpen held the Rangers, and the Astros slowly got back into that ball game but at the end of the day jose leclerc uh you know another you know former express player was able to come in and shut the door again uh for the second game in a row and and the rangers seem to have found something with chapman going in in the eighth and and leclerc in the ninth so we'll see where it goes from here
2: you know you talk about the guys that are on the teams now who have gone through Round rock and specifically josh young and evan carter i mean Young has had an insane rookie year. You know, he had that injury, so it kind of set him back a little bit. But even after he came back, just constantly getting the at-bats, getting competing at the plate, and then just his defensive plays. But also Evan Carter, you know, he's gotten nicknamed the Savior because when he got called up, it was kind of a time where the Rangers were in their little slump, and he got called up and just put some fire under their butts. And so what is it like just seeing those guys – Come through your organization and make a difference in the major leagues, how those two have.
5: yeah, it's fun. you know i've I've been at this a long time, so you know this is you know uh, probably the the sixth or seventh time we've had clubs that we are associated with go deep. Um and so it's fun to watch those guys get on the stage where the rest of the nation's getting to see them where you've been getting to watch them before everybody else. It's like getting to see a screening of a movie before it hits nationwide. So it's fun to see, um, you know, for Josh Young, obviously, I think he was going to be rookie of the year. He got hurt. Uh, and I'm just glad he he's back. Um, and you know, he's had a pretty good postseason so far. Evan Carter's a guy that look, he went from a ball to the big leagues in one season. And he's a guy that we didn't get to see a ton here. He mainly spent the year in double A with Frisco. But when he came up and we did see him, he's just silky smooth and he makes everything look easy. And he's a big body. Uh, You know, I think for his age, his plate discipline has been probably what has impressed me the most. Um, He doesn't chase. And for somebody that was drafted out of high school during COVID, uh, not many people knew who Evan Carter was. Uh, And he's obviously making a big splash now and everybody will hopefully when this run is over.
3: Yeah, thank you for that amazing input, Reed. I want to ask a little more about you. I know you played football at, I mean football, sorry, baseball at UT and TCU. And I just want to know if you, when you were younger, if you ever got to do batting practice, you know, against your dad and how he influenced your career in baseball.
5: Yeah, no, I never, you know, he would throw to us, but never where he was cranking it up. You know, that just, (laughs) it it, it didn't, it didn't match with what he was doing. He would never put that kind of investment on the line for a bunch of high school kids, but he threw to us a lot and we got to, to be, be around him and a bunch of guys that were playing in the major leagues. So that, that was fun, but yeah, obviously he's had a massive influence on me. Um, you know, my playing career, uh, you know, was one where I was an all conference player in college and got drafted, but never made the major leagues. And it's, it's just a whole different level. And so I got to appreciate his greatness as I got into professional baseball and realized how hard it is to make it to the majors. Um, but also I think the lessons he taught me of, look, you know, you have to go out and be the most prepared. You have to go out and be in the best shape. You have to go out and be ready when your opportunities present themselves. Um, and so, yeah, he's had a big influence on me and a lot of people in the game of baseball. And, you know, now at, at his age and, Late 70s, you know, Nolan Ryan gets to be a fan, and uh, that's fun for him to watch these guys, especially somebody like Nathan Uvalde, Mm -hmm. who went to our high school and is only the second player from Alvin, Texas, ever to make the majors, uh, and probably one of only, you know, six or seven of us ever to be drafted. Uh, We were all rooting for him, uh, you know, earlier this week.
0: First off, Mr. Reed Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, you being uh, part of the Astros organization, you know, after that two, 2019 World Series, you obviously the MLB, you know, shut down in 2020 of uh, March due to COVID. So I kind of want to ask you from uh, from that standpoint, what was it like going through the transition of, you know, getting players back you know, getting players, make sure they all stayed, you know, separate and just try to, you know, try to make the game much more safer, but also enjoyable for uh, for a lot of MLB fans.
5: Oh, man, it was a workout. I mean, I was hoping I'd never have to go back and relive any of that again. (laughs) You know, um, 2020, I was in Houston, and obviously there were no fans in the stands. And there was all kinds of crazy protocols and guys separating and testing and all that. And then in 21, when I was back, you know, with our AAA club in Round Rock, uh, our president, Chris Almadaris, we had him, you know, he had to get tested and wear an ankle monitor and, and, you know, monitor everywhere that he went. Uh, as he was a representative that, you know, dealt with the players because I didn't have any desire to do it after what I experienced in 20. Um, and hopefully we'll never go back there again. But look, the the bottom line was people continued to, to want to have this game of baseball uh, for the fans and for the players. And, uh, you know, we were able to persevere.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Reed Ryan, for spending this time to talk with us. We really appreciate it.
5: You guys have a great one, and good luck, and uh, keep it going, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank we you. appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right. So that was an amazing interview, um, but I'm going to throw it to Justin for weather.
4: Yes. You know, this weather recently... It's been a little wacky, you know, We had
2: wacky weather Wednesday,
1: wacky weather Wednesday
4: should actually be the new segment. Right. Um, you know, I got my co-director here trying to give me a weather app, but we use the weather channel out here. So let me tell you how it's done. Um, <laughs> look it out. Right now, it's a high of, I mean, right now it's 74 degrees. High is 84. No longer in the 70s, sorry. Um, low, though, yeah. 58 degrees. Um, you can expect that later today. Um, but, yeah, Thursday, high of 91. Friday, it's going to get hotter. High of 96. And Saturday, the same thing. Lows in the mid-60s. And it's going to be sunny all week. Don't expect a single drop of rain. Now, you want to look at next week? Maybe I can take a glance ahead for you all. Um, it's going to be, it, be exciting. I'm really excited. How exciting. I love the fall. And it's looking like fall mm-hmm. temps, guys. Friday, October 27th through Tuesday, 31st. It's going to be highs in the 60s. I'm talking high oh. of 65 on Saturday, high of 64 Sunday, high of 64 Monday and 30 percent chance of rain all week, which to me sounds like Seattle weather, which is where I wish, wish I lived. But yeah, that, that is. Hate. but I'm not a Mariners <laughs> fan. <laughs> oh neither am i never <laughs> neither no, am no, i, no, no, no. I um, mean any closing remarks i mean guys that was the biggest interview i think we've ever gotten that was uh, just was that was awesome. so great to hear from the mind of a former president of the astros someone that's former this, player too i know former yeah. player son of nolan ryan you know it's crazy he grew up in alvin texas and it was five minutes from my house right next door. oh yeah wow. you did you did mention that before
0: uh, yeah before we went on air that's kind of that's, that's kind cool. of cool Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, let's see what happens in game three, guys. So, real quick, so obviously I'm going Astros. You're going?
3: I'm Astros fan all the way. I'm going to say Rangers are going to win tonight.
0: (gasps) What a shame. Presley?
3: I'm going to hope that the Rangers win tonight. I think it'd be (laughs) Nice.
4: I'm saying, good old Astros.
3: (laughs) I think they're gonna win this clutch game. I, I
1: really do. Clutch City is Houston. Yeah, exactly. That's for the
4: Rockets. That's how. Yeah, man. (laughs) Our mascot's named Clutch. It, it it just, you know, it works. They should take the name back. I Any want
1: I want a picture with all of the mascots together. Oh my like, god! That right you know? <laughs> What's the mascot name of calendar? the, the Texan? It Toro, Toro yeah, yeah, Toro the Texan. He came to like my elementary school one time. Yeah, he came <laughs> to
4: mine too. Does this guy just do it all day? Like, is that a part time so. job? Is maybe
1: maybe someone else like stole the mascot. No, was costume. he at like your
4: booster thon? Like you know the little running thing? Yeah, I didn't get a picture. set. Mm, That's all good. Me neither. It happens.
1: Yeah. But that is all the time we have for today's (laughs) episode. But don't worry. We'll have you covered again on Friday with another episode of Bobcat Radio. If you enjoyed this episode of Bobcat Radio and want to hear want to continue to hear more, then make sure that you keep up with us at KTSW Sports on all social media. For Kobe Jackson, Justin Brown, Presley Davis, and Taylor Quinn, I'm Kara Slay, and thank you for listening to this episode of Bobcat Radio. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.